Matthew 20 and verse number 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus, notice this, passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, Notice what he said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Father, we call upon you this morning to hear our cries today. I pray, God, that you hide me behind the cross this morning. May the people hear and see Jesus, our Lord and Savior, today. Let it be so, God, that the words that would come from my mouth to go to these hearts would not just find a lodging place there in the heart, but, God, all over them. May the Word correct them, strengthen them, and, Lord, may it bless them to the fullness of thy love and mercy In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now we know here in Matthew that Jesus really is on his way right now to be crucified. He is making his last trip, if you might say. And here we see that there's two blind men. Now I preach this scripture more than once, but never with the thought that God gave me as I was studying for today's service. I believe as we look at this scripture, there's some things in there that we need to see. First of all, we need to realize what's happening. Jesus is fixing to be crucified. So you know he's got a lot on his mind. He's got on his mind, first of all, I believe that he's got on his mind the fulfillment of the Word of God because God had already spoken it. And if he had already spoken it, he had to make sure that he finished it. Amen. Amen. That's the reason that when he was being crucified, he could say, honestly, it is finished. Now we know that Jesus on his route here as he was walking, now I don't know about you, but if I'm realizing that I'm going to go be treated like he's fixing to be treated, you say, well, how did he know? He's God. He knowed what was ahead of him. He knowed what was fixing to happen to him, how he'd be treated. Uh, Brother Richard down there the other night spoke about the blind man as the Lord spit in his eyes. Not on the ground and made a spittle, but Jesus literally spit in the man's eyes. And Richard asked this question, what would you do if somebody spit in your eye? I'm human. You spit in my eye, I'm probably going to slap you before I even think. What would you do? Now listen, 
that blind man was led way out of town. I ain't going into all the reasons he had to go out of town. But he was blind. He didn't know how to get back. And then you get out here and some speak. So here we see two crying out. They're blind. I want you to understand where I'm going this morning. They're blind. They can still hear. Can I help you this morning? You're blinded by sin this morning. But you can still hear me. Your eyes may be closed to what you are actually doing to yourself and the things around you. I I was thinking as children were singing, God help me never to do anything that would hurt one of them children in their walk with Christ. I'm not talking about the physical hurt. I'm talking about that I'd do something stupid and they would blame Jesus or the church. We do that, you know. Now we see in this story this morning, these two blind men are crying out and the church told them to shut up. Church told them, shut up. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, you can tell me to shut up all you want to. I ain't shutting up. I don't believe you're big enough to carry me out of here. Not by yourself, anyway. If you do, you'll be runt. You will be in trouble. I'm going to cry out. Why? First of all, these guys needed something they couldn't do for themselves. Do you know you can't save yourself? Hello, church. I'll tell you something this morning. You can't do enough good works to save yourself. (laughs) I'm going to help you or hurt you one. You can't get a haircut. You can't remove all the tattoos and all the scars of this world. You can't put on a suit good enough. Hello? You can't dress up good enough. You can't look good enough. You can't save yourself. We've all got scars of the world and how it's treated us. Every single one of us. Some of us is more visible than others. Right? I mean, uh, mental emotion, you can't tell about that on most folks. They'll smile and go on inside the dying. How come you think suicide is so prevalent in this day and hour? Listen, we're supposed to have more than we ever had. Why are suicide rates so high? I'll tell you why. Because peace of mind only comes if you're kidding that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. How do you know that? The Bible said you began to love the brother. You know you pass from death unto life. The Bible said when you become a new creature. Old things pass away. Meaning if you was a drunk, you're no longer a drunk. If you were a dope addict, you're no longer a dope addict. So if the old things have not passed away, I assure you, friends, you're not where you need to be with God this morning. These boys were sitting there by the wayside, couldn't do much for themselves because they were blind. I want to help you this morning. You can't do much for yourself because the God of this world has blinded your eyes. And that's the word of God told us that. 
the God of this world has blinded your eyes. How many ever had a thought like this? If I could just get a better car, I could do better. If I just had a little more money, I could do better. If I had a better house, I could live a little better. If I had a better spouse, <laughs> some little. You know the reason you don't have a better spouse? Because you're not one yourself. You have what you have because you chose what you have. You're here this morning saved or lost because you made that choice. You are what you are, as Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm asking you this morning, what are you? Do you realize you're blind? That's one thing I need to point out right here this morning. These men realized they were blind. You know how hard it is to admit we're lost. Do you know how hard it is to admit we can't save ourselves? Well, I'll go to church. That won't save you. I'll pay my tithes. That won't save you. I'll sing in the choir. That ain't going to save you. Oh, they're having a baptize, and I'll go to baptize. Baptism don't save you. You can go down a wet center, come up a wet center. Hello? Or you can go down a dry center and come up a wet center and still be lost. Any way you look at it, when you're lost, you're lost. These men realized their condition, and they cried out to the only one that could help them, and that was Jesus. Jesus is the only can help you with your situation this morning. If you realize you're blind, you ought to cry out this morning. No matter what everybody around you. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. And it's not a good story, but it's a true story. Young lady, like 14 year old, went to the altar crying one morning in church. Her father went down and knelt beside her and said, Get up from here, you're embarrassing me. Don't you ever embarrass me like this again. The young lady got up out of the altar. She was wanting to be saved. She was crying out to God. But because her father told her to get up and go back to her seat, see, people don't want to acknowledge that they are lost or their family's lost. We want to put on a pretense that everything is okay when it's not. So that young lady got up out of the altar and from her age of 14 till the day she died, she never cried out to God one more time ever. She turned to drugs. She turned to alcohol. She was a prostitute. And on her deathbed, as she was only 18 when she was dying, of AIDS. Why? Because of the lifestyle she had chosen when she left that altar without God because somebody hindered her. 
the church was trying to hinder these two blind people from getting exactly what they needed. Don't let nobody around you hinder you this morning from getting what you need. I don't care what they say. If you need God, you go to that altar and do business with God. As she was laying in the hospital dying, that same daddy that said, don't you ever embarrass me again, knelt over her head and said, honey, please call out to God before you die. And she uttered these words in her daddy's hearing. I'll never embarrass you again by calling on God. Who bears the burden there? Who bears that burden? Why did you tell that story, preacher? You seen all them precious children up here this morning? You being at church today is a good thing, but you need to be right with God. Not only at church, but you need to be right on your job. You need to be right down at Walmart. You don't need to be out here condoning things of this world. Hello? And come to church and play the hypocrite. Those children know. (laughs) And believe me, they all express exactly what they hear and see at home. One question I want to ask you this morning, and I've asked myself this many times since I got saved. Do I want my children to grow up and do what I've already done? Are you? These two blind men were crying out. Jesus said unto them, I'll paraphrase it, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? You're sitting here crying. You're asking. Now what do you really want me to do for you? We see in this story as Jesus is asking him this question, them this question, that they have one thing in mind, that I might see. Hello, church. Let me ask you something. If my preaching this morning reveals unto you that you are blind, do you want to see? Let me remind you of a story that I heard from Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis had just been saved not very long, and they were down on Bourbon Street, New Orleans. Him and another preacher, his pastor, and his pastor was telling him and showing him how to street witness and street preach, and they ran upon this prostitute. And this prostitute they were witnessing to, Jesse was telling her about the love of God. She could be forgiven. And she stuck her fingers in her ears and said, Don't tell me, don't tell me, I don't want to hear it. So what was she really saying? I don't want to see. I don't want to know. Because if I see, then I have to acknowledge I know. Jesse said as they were... Talking to this lady, the pastor stepped in, began to talk to her, and she's walking away with her fingers in her ears, still crying out, Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. And it finally got so hot on her, and Jesse said she was well endowed from God above in the breast department. And said all of a sudden it got so hot on her, she jerks her blouse up over her head, and she had no bra on. 
You think the devil won't sidetrack you somehow? Jesse said he looked at his pastor and said, what do we do now? He said, Father, which art in heaven? Bowed his head, closed his eyes. He didn't want to see what she wanted him to see to distract him from what he was doing. The problem of it is, church, that we're looking at everything and everybody, but to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can heal us. He's the only one that can give us sight enough that we see our condition. And our condition is, you were born lost. The Bible said you must be born again. You must be. That's a no option deal. If you want to go to heaven, oh, by the way, most everybody wants to go to heaven. But in order for you to get saved, listen to me, and I believe this with all my heart, you must get a greater desire not to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. We'll get you saved faster than, boy, I want to go to heaven. About every drunk you ever talked to wants to go to heaven. About every dope paddock you ever met wants to go to heaven. But they weren't willing to stop doping or stop drinking or stop whoring around or stop the worldly things. They didn't want to stop it. They didn't want to go to heaven. Why? It's a good place to go. But when you realize the alternative for wanting to stay blind is hell itself. There's no other option. It's Heaven or hell, people. Hello. There's no other option to be absent from this body. Hello. The Bible said is to be in the presence of the Lord. I like what Brother Richard Cole said down there at that meeting that night. Everybody's going to heaven. Can you say amen to that? Got your mind messed up, didn't I? Yeah, you're, everybody's going to heaven, people. Realize that. You're going to stand before God. Where's God at heaven? You're going to stand before God. He's going to say, welcome or depart. So everybody gets to go to heaven, but do you get to stay when you get there? That's the part that really needs to be understood. Do we get to stay? And that's the question we ought to ask God this morning. God, when I stand before you, am I going to get to stay? What do you want me to do? Lord, we'd like to see. <laughs> I was trying to remember the man that coined this phrase. There's none that is so blind than those that choose not to see. I don't remember exactly who said that. But think about it. There is so blind it's those that choose not to see. It's one thing to be blind that your eyes don't work. But it's another thing to blind yourself to what is really happening. I believe our government is blinded their self right now. They don't really see what's happening. They ain't got a clue what's going on. And by the way, it's been many years back that they did a survey in our Senate 
that what a meal should cost, a good, decent meal. Do you know what our Senate came up with? Listen to me carefully. The Senate said to get a good, decent meal in Washington, D.C., for one person, it would cost $450. Has anybody in here ever eat a $450 meal? Can I tell you this? If I'd ate it and they brought me a bill and it said $450, someone have to I'm have a stroke right there, brother. I may give them that lunch back and they may not like the way I give it back. $450. But that just tells us how out of touch that our government is with the everyday living person. $450 is most folks whole week, if not two weeks, budget for food. And some of us a whole month. Some of us may be even longer than that. I've thought about that a lot since I heard that. And I thought, we sure paying them guys way too much money. For them to think that, (laughs) but Richard, I come up with this conclusion. They couldn't find a $450 bologna sandwich. That's what it was. Because they're not willing to eat bologna. Sardines and crackers ain't good enough. Hello? Roman noodles ain't going to cut it with that crowd. Why? They choose to be blind. They have made a choice that in their mind's eye, it takes that kind of money to have a decent meal in America. Church, where do we stand here? What does it take to have a good church service? What does it take for us to follow God? What would it take for us this morning to realize we may be out of touch? This blind man said that we might see. Years ago, a lady asked me to pray for her husband to get saved. And we did. The last night of the revival, I was preaching. He came and gave his heart to God. She had cried all week for her husband. They got in the altar together and cried and prayed. And I thought, boy, they've got Now listen to me. The old boy quit drinking. Started going to church regular. Got up one Sunday morning in church and said, God's called me to preach. You know what his wife did? Left him. Left him. I went to her and I said, Sis, you prayed for him to get saved. Yeah, but I didn't want him to preach. I said, oh, all you wanted was a sober drunk. You didn't really want him to get saved and follow God. You just wanted him to quit drinking so you could spend the money that he was drinking up. Ain't that sad? I asked every lady in this building if your husband's alive. If he announced his calling to preach, you going to leave him? You ought to love him more. Don't go back there and talk to my wife how I was 15 years that I didn't have God in our marriage. She'll tell you the brutal truth. She don't even lie for me. She'll tell you he wasn't worth knowing, wasn't worth having, wasn't worth nothing. And she was right. 
I'm asking you this morning, do you really want to see what you are as an individual? Their eyes were open. Now let me help you this morning. How do we know that they were all right and everything was right? And they followed God. You know how you know if a person say, I- I'm going to help you and I'm going to hurt you right now. I know I will. I would like to know how many people over the years I've baptized. Listen to me. And I'd also like to know how many I've baptized that never has shown back up at church. I've had people come to this church six and eight and nine and ten months. Baptize me, preacher. Baptize them ain't seen them since. Ain't seen them since. So what does that tell me? Hello, I'm going to help you or hurt you. That tells me they probably lost. Because they thought baptism's all they needed. Baptism ain't all you need. Yes, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, you do. You need that fire to consume you and cleanse you and make you a different person. You a different person. It makes you in a house. You'll choose to go to church because of what dwells inside of you. These old boys just didn't get to see physically, but they saw spiritually what they really needed. To follow him. Church where are we at this morning? What is your life as an individual? How much do you really see? I'm going to help you right now. If you steal a penny. It's stealing. Well it ain't that bad preacher. I I like to talk to these fellas. And I can talk to them. Because I once was a drunk. And they say, I don't drink that much. Well, when I first started drinking, about two beers and I was wobble-legged and wobble-headed and it didn't take much. But the longer I drank, the more it took. And it got to where I could drink a fifth and still walk and drive and function. Then it got to where I could drink a half a gallon, walk, drive and function. I went to work a many a time, drunk two quarts of beer for... Yep. Went right back in and worked. Smoke a joint or two and go back in to work. Done that, done been there. Can't, I can help you with it if you want help. I also can tell you the more you do and the longer you do, the more it takes. So how much does it take before it becomes a sin? Just one. Just one. Because if God said don't put it to your lips, you wouldn't put it to your lips. If God said don't put it in your body, you shouldn't put it in your body. If God said don't defile this temple of God, you say you're saved. This became the temple of God. God dwells in here. What are you trying to do? Pour alcohol right in on top of God? You think alcohol will help God? You think drugs will help God? Think a little cigarette here and there. I'm talking about them left-handed cigarettes. Does everybody know what a left-handed cigarette is? I know I ain't that old. Yeah, Ricky is eight. He's a year old. Them left-handed cigarettes don't help God at all. Amen. Alcohol don't help God at all. Amen. I've often thought of this, and you never think of it this way, but I have. If I had all the money that I'd ever spent on alcohol and drugs, 
I'll just throw women in there. I wasted a lot of money on women. I finally caught one. And finally got to have two nickels rubbed together after I caught her. If I had all of that money, now think of it this way. How big a church could you build? Now let me, let me get you deep, deep. How many children could you feed on what you drank up every weekend? I'm going to help you. We send $1,200 a quarter to Jamaica. And that feeds four to 500 children for a whole quarter of the year. Just $1,200. Are you listening to me? In 1972, I would clear $300 on borrow money to buy cigarettes on Monday. Drink 302 days. This is 1972, folk. I ain't got no idea what it costs today. But I'll guarantee you it'd be $1,200 today. Now think about this. How much are we wasting, not only of our money, how about ourselves? I, I'm going to help you. I can tell you the reason you're in the condition you're in. That I'm getting too deep. I'm going to lose. They told me, and it was way too late, they told me, every time you drank alcohol, you're killing brain cells. I didn't have but two. I couldn't afford to lose many. Y'all didn't get it, did you? All I drunk probably killed one of them, I know, so I'm running on one cell. A one cell flashlight, I ain't even got it it's laying up there. It's help in the need. But I sure wouldn't want to be in a crisis with a one-cell flashlight. So why would you even attempt to kill what brain cells you do have? You really ain't that smart. When we found the meth lab right off this wall right out here, shake and bake they called it, they had to bring a whole hazmat team in here to get it. And I thought to myself, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. But why would I want to take drugs from somebody that dropped out of high school? I'm a high school dropout. I'm throwing off on you. But has also burnt both cells out with drugs. Why would I want to buy and put in my body what he don't even know what's in it? When they said, oh, they make it out of brake fluid, you had me right there, brother. Woo! You know all this tire shine? Lord, I'm getting way too off base. You know all this tire shine stuff they got now? They didn't have that when I was a boy. You know what we use shine tires? Brake fluid. Oh, it'd make them tires as shiny as it could be. But we found out one thing. Bingo. About a year down the road, the whole outer wall would just crackle and fall off. Anything that'll eat rubber up and you want to put it in your body, come on. You ain't got no brain cells. What are you preaching on? These old boys was blind. They ain't no telling what they'd done. Ain't no telling where they'd been. Ain't no telling how much trouble it was. But when they got something, they got it. And they got it and followed him because they began to see. Do you really want to see? 
in closing this message. The Bible said all, A-L-L. That includes me and you have sinned and come short of that glory of God. The Bible also said all must be born again. You must be born again. So if God said those things, I think he's going to exclude you. <laughs> I had a man tell me this one time. He said, now listen to me. If what I've done for mankind can't get me into heaven, then I won't go. This man had probably given millions of dollars away to feed the poor and stuff. Literally. I said, friend, I want to tell you something that has nothing to do with your salvation. Not one thing. I said, you can give everything you got away and die and go to hell. You can sit on church pew every week and die and go to hell. You can do whatever you want to do. You can put your name on the roll. You can be baptized. You can do all of those things and die and go to hell straight from a church pew. Amen. You can stand behind that pulpit and preach and still die and go to hell. Amen. Why do you say that, preacher? Because everybody standing behind that pulpit ain't saved. Amen. Now this is the last thing I'm going to tell you and I'm going to give you an invitation. My people's heard this. I used to work at Cosby Rock Quarry in Morganton. And I ran their plant, crushing plant. And this guy come in once a month in a tractor and trailer with hydraulic oil, motor oil. And every time I hated to go empty those containers. Because every time I went in the back of that trailer, he was telling me about Jesus. And I needed to be saved. One day I run in there. Everybody knows what a barrel truck is. I run in there, that barrel truck, and I slammed it on that 55-gallon barrel. I was hauling out of there. I didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus. And that old boy said, hey, my preacher got saved yesterday. I dropped that barrel off. I said, what did you say? He said, my preacher been my pastor for seven years, got saved yesterday. I said, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. Preacher's supposed to be saved. He said, oh, he went to school and thought everything was all right. Said he got under conviction under his own preaching and got saved. I'm standing there as a lost man scratching my head. I don't understand. That guy behind that pulpit's supposed to be saved. Then he come up and he said, we voted to keep him. Brandon, I thought you had him seven years lost and you're going to kick him out because he got saved. Come on. That would tell me the whole congregation was lost. Oh, we don't want him. He's saved now. Woo, he'll be a fireball now. He'll go tell us we're sinners. All have sinned without exception. There was only one pure person ever on this earth. Jesus. Jesus. If it come through a womb, it was born in sin. Think about this. You and I today have the greatest opportunity to cry out to the Lord and say, God, I really want to see me. 
I want to see what I am because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell, Lord, for something stupid, for pleasures of the flesh. Lord, I don't want to go to hell because I know what is there. Weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. What is it in hell you really want today? Ain't nothing there I want. But do you know without accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's where you're going to go. You only got two options, welcome or depart. Everybody's going to heaven, are you going to get to stay? Are you really going to get to stay when you get there and stand in judgment day? Is he going to say welcome? Or is he going to say depart? I never knew you. Everybody stand, every head. Doretta, honey, come play something softly. Something I've said here today can help you. Some are making their way right now. What about you this morning? Lord, I'm going to make sure I don't want to go to hell. All you got to do is come and cry out to Jesus. All you got to do is come and cry out to Jesus. Lord, Lord, let me see. Let me see what I am today. Will you do that? Would you do that tonight? Would you just come this morning and say, Lord, right now. Right now, God. I want to make sure everything's all right between me and you, Lord. I don't want to be a guilty distance from you. I don't want to be cold indifferent on you. I want to know that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Still coming, what about this morning I want to make sure my name's there God how will I know it's there I'll hear the commandments and begin to do them I'll turn from my wicked way knowledge that you are God would you do that many are praying this morning but there's a place for you there's a place for you to come and say Lord here I am I know what I am today. I know what I am today. Benny. Richard. Both Richards. People needing doing business with God this morning. If you're a Christian, you're right standing with God. I hope you're praying for them that's in this altar right now. They need you praying. They need you touching the hem of the garment in their behalf. They're coming. They're crying out to God. They're saying, Lord, I want to see. I want to see so I can follow you. Are you coming? You need to be saved this morning. You need to be sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you have a desire to go to heaven, then you ought to have a greater desire not to go to hell. Would you come? Would you come right now? People are crying out to God right here in this altar right now. They realize that their sight's not good and they need to see better. Would you come? Would you step out and say, Lord, 
Please, please forgive me. Please heal me. Would you do that this morning? God is working on them. Would you do that? God is speaking to their hearts. Pray for them, church. Pray for them, church. Pray for them, church. God, our Father loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son just for you. Just for you. Do serious business with God today. Would you please get serious with God? Cry out. Cry out. He'll hear you today. He'll answer you today. If you have a heart's desire to do it, God will answer you today. God will answer you. This is your day. This is your hour. This really is your hour. What if God never comes back your way again? What if God never speaks to your heart again? What will you do then? Oh, God will do that. I know He will. Hey, He, uh, he didn't promise that. He said, I'll come to you. I'm glad He's merciful. I'm glad He's long-suffering. But He only has to come once. I'm not going to take and risk it, are you? So if He's here speaking to your heart this morning, it's time for you to do something about it. Only you can do it. You can do it. He can set you free from any addiction you have. Just bring it to Him. Precious Father, I thank You this morning, God, that You've given me words. That You've given me the Spirit of the Holy Ghost of God to speak to these hearts here today. God, that You have spoken to them And I pray, God, they've responded to you. Not just by speaking, Lord, but by actions that they'll do. These blind men put it in action by following you. I pray for every soul here this morning to help to follow you. Father, only you can do these things. Only you, God, can... Remove those sin burdens. Only you, God, can do the saving. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.